I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is Please Go On. Our guest this week is Norman Lear, the legendary television writer and producer turned 99 last week. There was a time in the 1970s when five of the 10 most popular shows on the air were his. Lear is the man who brought Archie Bunker, loosely modeled after his own father, into the American living room. This year marks the 50th anniversary of the premiere of All in the Family, which he developed, produced, and wrote. At one point, Lear simultaneously had eight shows on the air, including other classics like The Jeffersons, Sanford and Son, and Maude. Lear's won countless Emmys, a Peabody, and four years ago was a Kennedy Center honoree. And he's still at it. He continues to operate Act 3 Productions. He's long been an outspoken activist for liberal causes. He founded People for the American Way in 1980. In a new op-ed for The Post, Lear shudders that so many headlines in the newspaper these days seem, as he puts it, drawn from the past. States target black voters with voter suppression bills. Federal voting rights laws are blocked in the Senate by a filibuster. When we chatted over Zoom, he wore his trademark little white boating hat. Here is our conversation. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to to talk on this big birthday. I really appreciate it. You uh, couldn't be more welcome. Uh, one of my favorite bits growing up was the 2,000-year-old man, and you're not even 5% of that. How does it feel to be the uh, the 99-year-old man? Uh, it feels glorious. I, I have no problem with it. I was around when Mel and Carl came up with the 2,000-year-old man, and uh, and he's a kid now at, to this guy at 99. <laughs> and how did you celebrate? Uh, I was in Vermont. We have a place, a family farm in Vermont. I think of it as my Yiddish Hyannisport. All my kids and grandkids were there, and that was all the celebration I needed. That's awesome. How have you been coping with the pandemic for the last year and a half now? I assume it's been frustrating to be kept in a lot more. My answer is one word, carefully. And I have a, a loving family that helps me see to that. Kids and grandkids that don't let me move. <laughs> Having just been in Vermont with the kids and grandkids, I've had an awful lot of care recently. So, I mean, the answer is careful. I've been, I've been uh, doing as I've been told. Uh, you wrote an op-ed for The Post around the birthday, and it was entitled, As I Begin My 100th Year, I'm baffled that voting rights are still under attack. What prompted you to write about this topic? Uh, I found that voting rights were still under attack (laughs) in uh, towns large and small across the country. It baffles me. As a uh, combat veteran of World War II, I am stunned uh, that I could continue to be living in America I'm not at all as proud of as I was when I enlisted and couldn't wait to defend everything I thought we were about. You flew 52 missions with a crew in a B-17. You mentioned in the piece that the Tuskegee Airmen would fly alongside you and escort you uh, in to some of those sorties. But after 
we won the war. They came back to racism, segregation, and discrimination. How did that experience shape your view on civil rights? You know, I'm not, I'm not sure if I knew about the Tuskegee Airmen and what they were suffering at that time or whether I had to be home for a while and began to realize and learn about it. Just, I think the latter is, is true. Let me put it this way. I was not as aware of it going into the uh, service as I was coming out. But yeah, at first it, it stunned me. I felt like a kid learning process of the truth of racial injustice in America. What similarities or differences do you see between that and the racial reckoning that we've seen in our country since George Floyd's murder over the last year? If it's not a reawakening, it's a, an awakening. We, we never had as much media attention on the subject. You didn't hear or read as much about racism in America. We were proud of the fact that <laughs> we had fought to defeat it and took it for granted we did, but in the hearts and minds of 64 million or something out and out Donald Trumpers, it's hard to believe. You know, for so much of your life, progress seemed linear. And I think the last couple of years, we've seen, you know, that there's progress and retrenchment. And I guess that's always been the case, but it's become especially stark. Do you feel like we're more divided as a country now than we were at any point in your lifetime? Or does this remind you of the 70s and the 60s or other periods? It reminds me, but, you know, the... uh... Uh, the amount of media is critically more. So uh, there is so much attention to the detail of all of it. It feels more serious today. And, and, and things move so quickly. You know, January 6th, well, for some people, maybe it was in their imaginations or, or even planning. But for those of us who were totally surprised, we were totally surprised, January 6th, and it had been curdling long before. Were you watching TV on the 6th, or how did you experience that day? I've watched it 412 times, you know, in bits and pieces, as commentators have referred back to it. We should have been on top of much more on top of it than we were. So I find it difficult to find heroes uh, on the left who were sufficiently loud and that with the kind of strength and fortitude that mattered. You wrote in the piece an interesting line, which was that racial and religious nationalism, nativism, and authoritarianism are seemingly on the rise everywhere. It's deeply discouraging to a member of what's been called the greatest generation. I view the expression as utter bullshit. But we continued to pat ourselves on the back to the point where I think we thought we were God's chosen. And we are all God's chosen. I thought we went too far believing in ourselves and, and, and without understanding that we, uh, we're human, which is to say we have faults too, and we have oversights. And uh, racism was a giant oversight. 
Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of your most iconic characters is Archie Bunker, a bigot in every sense of the word, who said things that people wouldn't dare say out loud, let alone write in a television script. There can only be one number one and one number two. And life made Jefferson number two long before I come along. So I suppose that the Puerto Ricans are number three then, hmm? Well, no, not necessarily there, little girl. Your Puerto Ricans could be four. Your Jefferson, and your chins could be three. I think if Archie Bunker were around today, he would be in the group of Americans who refuse to get the COVID vaccine, even though it's safe and effective. What do you make of vaccine hesitancy? I, I think I start off thinking it's uh, it's as much, if not more, but as much a failure of uh, I, I hate the expression left and right, but there is no other uh, a failure on the left and foolish failure on the right. I mean, uh, that we don't have major uh, uh, Republican figures constantly talking about, as we do on the left, the need for vaccination, the simple scientific need. You know, we had the polio lesson and a lot of other lessons where science has led us to understand our health needs better and, and to accept the scientific recommendations as a result. It's astounding. People began drawing comparisons between Archie Bunker and Donald Trump from the moment he entered the presidential campaign in June 2015. Do you see similarities between the two? Well, I think, uh, and I thought at the time, that he was far more uh, a symbol. If, If fascism had a symbol, the uh, the mock symbol was Mussolini. So I thought along came today's Mussolini, not yesterday's fascism, because it wasn't as clownish as yesterday's version of fascism that was Mussolini. And uh, <laughs> my mind has gone there. Uh, virtually every time I thought of Donald Trump. How worried are you that he'll run and win again in 2024? Uh, It concerns me. I don't know what they're thinking on the right. You know, I I don't understand uh, the people who are running the Republican Party now. I've been a Democrat all my life. You know, just left of center, I, I would think. But... My God, I had good friends on the right of that center place. I mean, really good friends, worked together friends. And so over the years, there's there's nothing I know of that's happening like that now. How do you think Joe Biden is doing as president? I think he's doing very well as president. I mean, I I hear from a lot of friends that they wish he could be more forceful. 
but I think that energy may derive from a series of small successes. But uh, am, am I happy to see him in that job? Oh, yes. A creative never stops being creative. And you're a prime example of that. Right now, a remake of your 1970s sitcom, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, is in the works. What else are you working on? We're doing an animated version of uh, working on it now of, uh, of good times. I, I think I was told I shouldn't be talking about it. Uh, but what the hell, I ha I'm happy I am. I think it's going to be terrific. You uh, famously took on taboo topics. You know, we're cutting edge. We're willing to push boundaries. You've said in recent years at one point that you worry TV right now is too politically correct. Do you still worry about that? Not when I see uh, Matt and Trey's work. Do you have any questions, Craig? Um, so does Oprah drink the same blood as Obama or is it usually a different kid? It's kids from all over the world. Or can you embarrass? You are using white guilt for your college essay. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, someone's getting into college. Yes! <laughs> By the way, we're part Samoan. Or uh, Seth MacFarlane's work. We're going to build a new settlement. We'll have a happy new life and we'll have equal rights for all. Except blacks, Asians, Hispanics, Jews, gays, women, Muslims. Um, everybody who's not a white man. You know... There are enough people giving us things to uh, think about. Are there shows on broadcast or streaming that you think particularly capture the moment right now? I, I don't watch enough. Along with my wife, we are too pinned to the news. Too much news when we have to set on it all. But there are so many great writers out there right now that are doing such wonderful things. There's lots to learn from up on TV today. Back to your op-ed, you end on sort of a, a hopeful note and you say, you know, there's these legislators to people getting between the ballot and the people, senators standing in the way of civil rights legislation. You may pass unjust laws, you may win elections, but you won't in the end defeat the democratic spirit. With everything going on in the world, what gives you that confidence? There's a lot of people who are very depressed about the future you seem pretty optimistic. Well, I've never found it impactful or worthwhile to be depressed. It has not helped any situation I've ever known of. Uh, waking up in the morning and feeling I can matter somehow and f not failing to remember that a little something, the, the letter that you wrote, the phone call that you made, the conversation you had with a younger person who has more time to matter, I should be grateful to have gotten up this morning. And that's the way I feel each approaching day. It's a, it's a gift of gifts. I think often there are two little words that matter more than we give them credit for, over and next. When something is over, like today, when it's over tonight, and we're on to next, I love that hammock in the middle that wakes me up the next morning. And, uh, next. People seem to be content. $50 paid the rent. 
freaks were in a circus tent. <laughs> History may not repeat itself, but it sure rhymes. Lear has seen a lot in his 99 years, including a new golden age of television. The Trey and Matt that he mentioned are Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the creators of South Park. On Thursday, Viacom CBS announced that they have signed a new deal that will pay them more than $900 million over the next six years. It's one of the richest deals in TV history. They'll make new episodes of South Park for Comedy Central and create several spin-off movies for the company's Paramount Plus streaming service. And several of Lear's most iconic shows are now available to stream on other platforms. Half a century later, All in the Family really does hold up well as a show that was ahead of its time. Sometimes, doesn't it feel like society has an Archie Bunker mentality and a meathead stridency? It's wild that Lear and his wife watch more cable news than sitcoms on broadcast television, but it's understandable because the real-life storylines of our time are just so wild. As he put it in his op-ed, America can be both beautiful and bewildering. This episode of Please Go On was produced by Sharla Freeland, with editing from Allison Michaels and Michael Duffy. Our theme music is by Ted Muldoon. You can listen and follow us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to read Norman Lear's op-ed, you can find the link in our show notes. I'm James Holman, and I'll be back next Friday with another edition of Please Go On, because there's always more to say.